Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Philippians by looking at Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. As Paul is writing, he reminds his readers that there are certain blessings that come from faith. He mentions the encouragement that we have in Christ, the comfort and love that we have as his followers, the participation that we experience with the Spirit, the affection and sympathy that we receive as a result. Paul knew these were things that would resonate with his readers, the things that they needed to get through their daily life. And 2,000 years later, it's not much different for us. We look to experience these same blessings of faith as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Every one of us needs encouragement. We need the strength that will help us get through our circumstances. The weight of our trials and struggles can sometimes get us down. And to receive comfort or refreshment from those things that get us down is something we've been promised from God and something we look forward to. There are even times we wonder why we don't experience it more often. We all want to be comforted in our grief. Jesus even said on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When things aren't going the way we think they should, when we experience a loss of anything or anyone, we go through a grieving process and we want to be comforted from that. We want to know things will be better. The Apostle Paul writing to a different church, The one in Corinth wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. Paul knew that the source of comfort was God. He knew that he was writing to people who were in desperate need of that comfort that comes from love. And so he writes reminding them that 
it is available to them. We also want to know that we're not in this alone. And Paul tells the Philippians that there is participation with the Spirit. The very Spirit of God is at work in you and with you to bring about the solutions and outcomes that are in your best interest. You don't have to go through your trials and tribulations alone. Again, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he wrote on the same theme. He said, finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Paul reminds these Philippian Christians that they had fellowship with the Spirit. They could participate in life with the Spirit of God. They were not in this alone. Paul had already mentioned love to the Philippians, but but for us, it's not always enough to just hear that we are loved. We want to feel that we are loved. And so Paul reminds them of the affection that they have from God through the Spirit. When Jesus was talking to a Pharisee in John chapter 3, one of the first things that he reminded Nicodemus of was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God just didn't say, I love you. He went to extreme measures to show us our love and to let us know the affection he has for us so that we could not only hear that we're loved, but also feel loved. We also want people to care about us, to care enough to help. And so Paul reminds the Philippians that sympathy is theirs through the Spirit. That word is translated compassion in other translations. Unfortunately, in our day, sympathy and compassion are often used as synonyms. But sympathy is just having feelings of sorrow for something or someone. Compassion is having that sympathy to the point of action. You feel so sorry about the circumstance, about the situation people find themselves in, that you want to be helpful. You want to do what you can to help. And we want those people in our lives who feel that way about us. In James chapter 5, 11, Scripture says, We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Paul reminded the Philippian Christians that God was a God of compassion and mercy, that one of the blessings of faith is being able to experience that compassion from the Spirit of God. These are all blessings that we receive because of our faith in Christ. They were things that Paul was reminding the church in Philippi about, but they're promises that we can lay claim to 2,000 years later. As we reflect on this list of blessings, I'm sure we all agree that we desperately need them in our lives and want them, but it's not enough just to want them. Paul actually gives us a prescription of how to make sure that we experience those blessings in our life, how we put ourselves in the path that allows us to be blessed. And first, he lets us know that these blessings aren't achieved through selfish pursuits. You don't receive a blessing by chasing after a blessing. Blessings are a byproduct, a residual of doing something else, of doing whatever it is God has given us to do. And so Paul writes that nothing should be done from selfish ambition or conceit. We should not think so highly of ourselves that we think we deserve 
a particular blessing and chase that blessing. We should do nothing because we have ambition of seeing ourselves in a particular station or a particular position or having a certain perceived power. We should not be chasing after God's blessings for ourselves. Those blessings come to us. We experience them when we can humble ourselves and see others as more significant than us. This may be one of the most difficult teachings in Scripture. It's hard in our time to constantly be thinking of others. We're convinced by our society that we have to put ourselves first, that we have to take care of ourselves because no one else will. We're convinced that there's danger in putting others first because they may take advantage of us or rob us of our resources and there not be enough left for us. But Paul says the blessings of faith, to experience them fully and deeply, come from seeing others as more significant or more important than yourself. It's not that you don't see yourself as important or make yourself a doormat. It's that you're willing to lift other people up to where you are. But we also see that these blessings are received in community. We have a great temptation to be very selfish about our salvation, our redemption. We talk about it in terms of what God has done for me. But what God has done is saved us. And because we are all in the same boat, we take care of one another and we help each other. But we also are blessed together. And our blessings become even more enjoyable because they're multiplied by all of the people in our community. So our blessings are not received by being selfish and chasing after them for ourselves and trying to manipulate those blessings. They're also received with and through community. But even then, it's only if we've humbled ourselves. I alluded to this a moment ago, that our problem is we tend to see humility as a weakness. We see humility as opening ourselves up to be taken advantage of or hurt in some way. And most of us are more interested in being conceited and promoting ourselves rather than humbling ourselves. Part of that comes from a misunderstanding of being humble, and we alluded to what true humility is a little earlier. It's not putting myself down so others can feel good about themselves. It's not putting myself down or becoming a doormat so people won't think that I'm conceited. Genuine humility is lifting others up. It's being able to see other people as significant. I never see myself or my needs as more significant than the needs of others. I may not always have the resources to be able to help them, but I don't minimize their trouble. I don't minimize their needs. I realize they're just as important as mine, and I'm willing to do what I can to help them. And when I'm in a community of people who think that way, I don't have to worry about my needs because there are others who are looking out for me. And as Paul talks to the Philippians about receiving these blessings, he reminds them that their example is Jesus a man who had everything and was willing to give it up to serve mankind. And he served them fully, doing whatever God asked him to do, even though that ended up meaning his own death. And not just any death, but a horrible, violent death on a cross. Jesus showed us what humility looked like, what it looks like to live a life 
that is not driven by selfish pursuit, but shared in a community of faith. And while it appeared from the world's perspective that Jesus had failed, God exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We may not always experience winning the way we want to. We may not always be recognized by the people we want to recognize us. But that's what made Jesus' example so amazing, because the only person he cared about, what they thought, was God himself. And let me make one final observation. Paul had written to a young man named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, and said, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I read that passage because it puts me in mind of where we started this section. In chapter 1, verse 29, Paul wrote, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This promise of blessing that comes from faith, these amazing benefits that come from following Christ, were promised to a group of people who were suffering for Christ. Following in the steps of Jesus may be difficult for us sometimes because it may mean that we have to give up our rights in order to do what God wants us to do. People may take advantage of us. People may even look to harm us. But for Paul, he saw that as an amazing opportunity to imitate Jesus. And he told the Philippian church, that's exactly how you experience the blessings of faith. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, kalirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.